been gone for a minute, y'all, but I'm back. What I miss? Let's catch up. As always, I'm Maurice, and you're listening to Category Is. What is up, y'all? We are back from hiatus. I had a little, you know, a little birthday getaway situation. Took the uh, entire month of July <laughs> off. And I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I'm going to celebrate the entire month or whatever. But I took an extended vacation, um, as you guys heard last episode. Um, it was my birthday. I was having a milestone. And, you know, given the health situation, what it was, um, we decided to make the most of it. So, um, so yeah, so now we're back and it feels good to get in front of the microphone again and be able to talk to y'all. Everyone was reaching out. Thanks for all the messages, um, the birthday wishes and, you know, people really asking like, Hey, when is the show coming back? So we are back and I can't believe it is August already. Like, the summer seems to have flown by. They're, you know, having the back to school commercials are on now. And um, up until last week, <laughs> uh, there was talk about, you know, everyone returning to the office soon. And, you know, but the Delta variant has come and, you know, people are having to reevaluate uh, some things. Lots of mask mandates are going back into place. Um, they're going to rethink returning to office. Um, I know some of the big companies um, actually are kind of reversing their their stance on, you know, kind of making employees come back to the office um, sooner. Some are starting like next month. I know some people are actually already there now, but, you know, you got to rethink some things as you get more information. So what you're drinking for this week? Uh, today I have a peach tequila melba um it's peaches <laughs> it's august Ooh, it's already hitting um it's august so it's peach season and they're finally ripe like they put them out a little early um but they were like really hard and didn't have much flavor but right now they're like really good sweet like perfect um perfect flavor so um what you do for this one is you actually grill the peaches you can use like an indoor um grill pan or if you want to take it to the grill outside go ahead it's too hot for that but um put some little grill marks sear them up real quick um so do that to your peach slices and then you take the actual peach slice and you are going to muddle it um in your cocktail shaker so you know it gets a little that um kind of grill flavor a little smoke um flavor but also it brings out the sweetness in the peach uh, and then you're going to muddle that with some tequila. And then you're going to pour in some Chambord, which is the raspberry liqueur. comes in the round orb um, bottle. And then it calls for cream. Uh, I'm not really a fan of, like, the creamy drink sometimes. But, you know, just use as much as you, as you like um, to your taste. So some heavy cream. And that's pretty much it. You just shake it up like a lot <laughs> then you you know pour it into glass over some ice you can garnish it with like an extra one of those peach slices that you have um grilled up and it kind of puts you in the mind it tastes like a little not like peach cobbler because it's missing like the cinnamon but it kind of gives you that vibe of like peach peaches and cream <laughs> what was that song who can do this song was it 112 i can't remember but um but yeah that's what we're drinking tonight. Before we get into the categories, a little later, I will be joined by Claire Soares of Up in the Air Life. This is going to be like part two of the travel series that I started um, a few episodes ago before hiatus. And yeah, we're going to have a good conversation about traveling in style. So stay tuned for that a little bit later, but let's catch up on some categories. So uh, while I was gone, um, I started watching a show called industry uh i believe it's on hbo and so i started watching it on the plane back it's this show about this bank that's in london um and these kind of like summer interns are new graduates and they're trying to they work like an internship and then towards the end they have to like essentially pitch themselves to be hired full-time and so 
you know, it's about these young kids in a new environment, high stress, and like all the stuff that goes along with that. And lots of drugs, lots of sex, and bad decisions all around. And so watching it on the plane, and I didn't know anything about this show, but there was a lot of full frontal nudity in there. And at first I was like, oh, you know, so I'm sitting like in the aisle and I'm pretty sure that everyone like behind me could see see what I was watching because it wasn't like the full frontal where, you know, they show everything but that. No, they it was like flopping around extended time on on screen. (laughs) But the good thing is like, you know, I'm sitting up in first class and they do have the the curtain that kind of covers the people in the back from seeing you. So I guess, you know, not too many people saw it. But at first I was a little um, embarrassed, but shit, I'm grown. Um, then what else? Just catching up. I started watching um, Real Housewives of Potomac started back and we'll be taking a deep dive into that in a few weeks. Uh, I think my friend Alex is going to come back on the show. And um, and we'll kind of dissect what's going on there with with some of the characters. Uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is also popping off, and I like it. But at the same time, I don't because the whole story arc this season is about the Erica Jane divorce and the um, I guess criminal case against her husband Tom and what's really going on there. I don't really know if this is the right forum to be kind of discussing that because we're really only getting her side of the story. And, you know, at the, on the one hand, it's like, girl, did you really know what was going on? I don't know. Cause if you're married to someone, you don't know everything that they do when they're at work, you know, you're not intimately involved in that. So I do kind of think on some level, she didn't know like everything that was going on, but at the same time, she probably knew something. But, you know, the, this whole season, she's trying to claim that she knew absolutely nothing, that, you know, they're only they're getting divorced because he was mean to her and like things like that. But it just, the timing and, the, yeah, something just doesn't seem right about all of that. And then also, she gets this unilateral platform to kind of bash him and say whatever she wants to say. And it's just, to me, it's just not fair. Um, and she's bringing up all this old shit, like, yeah, five years ago, he got into a car accident and, oh yeah. And then he was cheating on me with all these women. And this man is like 80 something. So I don't know how his Viagra prescription is set up, but I mean, I guess maybe he got some Cialis too, but, um, oh, another show is on Netflix. It's called Sex Life. So it's about this woman who... I'm going to try not to give any spoilers in case we want to talk about it um, later. But this is about this woman who is at a particular stage in life and she's trying to figure out, you know, I guess what she misses about her old life. So, you know, it's kind of that whole like 80 20, you know, kind of situation. Do you love, or in her case, she said 85 and 15. So 85% of her life, she's like, you know, loving. She's happily married. She has two kids. Um, but then there's like this 15% uh, <laughs> that she is longing for. And it just creates a bunch of situations that, um, you know, I think they were at the heart of it. They were probably real life um, situations and conversations that, you know, couples and, and individuals need, need to have with themselves and their partners. Um, but yeah, she needed to get her shit together. And so if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's on Netflix. You can watch, I think it is eight episodes. And speaking of full frontal, there is a shower scene that we need to talk about. Was it real or was it fake? Watch it and y'all decide. What else is going on? The Olympics are going on. And, you know, I'm not really um, excited about the Olympics this time. You know, I know it was postponed a year. It was supposed to be last summer. And then 
it just seems odd, you know, for a lot of reasons. Like one, they keep calling it the 2020 Olympics. And I know Tokyo was like, we're not reprinting all these t-shirts and banners and all this merch. So y'all gonna have to deal with it. And it's more like they don't care about like the current time because in like 20, 30 years, they still want, you know, everything to still say 2020 Olympics. And, you know, we'll remember it as being in 2021. But I think for posterity purposes, you know, no, it won't matter that it was a year later. But the Olympics is also like, it's odd because it only happens every four years. And, you know, it's supposed to celebrate, you know, athleticism and sports and blah, blah, blah. But then it's kind of a, you know, a crapshoot because you have to be the right age, be born at the right time, train for the, the right amount of time, be noted. And it just, all these things have to fall into place. And you might not be the, best athlete in the world you know at this time it's just that you whatever happened to get you there got you there and one thing that's getting a lot of people um (laughs) where they need needed to be or where they never thought they would be this time was that Simone Biles withdrew from the gymnastics um competition she did like one vault in the team um, event and then she was like, "I'm done. I'm I'm not doing this no more." And then it kind of tainted like the whole experience because you know that people were calling her selfish and saying, "Oh, you know, she's just doing this for attention," and you know, "Oh, she can compete with a like a sprained ankle and this and that and blah 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 blah." But you know, she says she has a mental health issue or she withdrew for a mental health reason. And people are like, nah, you're just supposed to suck it up and go out there and do it and get it done. But I mean, tens for her because her withdrawing gave all these girls who had no chance of getting anywhere near a medal, they were getting it. And their routines sucked. Like they looked like they were just, you know, doing some warm ups. And then here, girl, you get a gold medal for that. Whereas Simone's routines were always just so difficult she would go out there and do the damn thing but this time it was like eh, i'm gonna go out here and cut some flips and then here's a gold medal for you and you could tell the girls themselves were just like not into it at all but i mean a gold medal is a gold medal so tens for y'all and you know really as a gay gays only watch the olympics for two reasons the women's gymnastics and then the slow motion replay in the men's track and field. And that's it. <laughs> we don't care about anything else. Gymnastics was lackluster. And the track and field is just now starting like this week. But um, if you notice, they stopped doing like the full body slow motion replay in the track and field. A lot more they're just focusing on like the face of them running. I'm like, nobody want to see them cheeks flopping around and your lips um, bouncing up and down. We want to see something else bouncing up and down. <laughs> that's, that's all I would say. But yeah, um, the Olympics is, is not giving me much this, this time. And, you know, maybe it's part of, partly the Simone thing. Maybe it's because it is a year, you know, off schedule. But something's just not connecting this time. And also, it's because whenever it's in Asia, the time difference is so great like the events and stuff already happened by the time we wake up in the morning here like even on the east coast so imagine if you live like in california um the time it just like it already happened and so social media being what it is the media itself being what it is they're already reporting like this person won bronze and this and this person won um gold and that and you know we're getting the information about what already happened and then nbc doesn't play the footage until like prime time so they're holding they're holding on to it they're the gatekeeper of the footage but you're i mean we're already getting the news that about what happened and then now we have to wait and then see it happen and then you can kind of tell that even the comment commentators on the events given the play-by-play i feel like it's they're not recording it in real time i feel like they go back and you know kind of redo it or maybe they do something but they i feel like it is edited by the time we get it in prime time so you know that's one thing too like it's it just doesn't seem you know 
as present because it's not like you can get up and watch it. You get up and the moment you open your phone, you already know what happened. So that's part of it too. But so before we hop into our conversation with Claire, now is a good time to hit the subscribe button if it's your first time joining me at Category Is. Um, that way you'll be notified automatically whenever um, next week's episode drops. And also it'll go automatically to your phone. So on whatever platform you are listening to Category Is, go ahead and subscribe and also leave a review uh, if you like what you hear. So a little bit more about Claire Soares. Claire channeled her love of luxury, champagne, and exotic destinations to launch the multi-million dollar flagship travel company, Up In The Air Life. She believes in doing what you love, being who you are, and living out loud. Up In The Air Life merges the art of connections with luxury travel experiences to create memories, milestones, and magic for individuals looking to explore the world. Up in the Air Life curates luxury trips to almost every corner of the world from Argentina to Zanzibar. Their mission is to inspire, connect, and grow with clients around the world with international destinations, curated meetups, and local events. Claire is also the creator of the self-funded CEO coaching program, a program that teaches entrepreneurs how to create wildly successful businesses by mastering digital marketing sales, and creating a loyal client base for life. I'll be sure to put all the information down in the show notes. So without further ado, welcome to the show. Claire, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm well. It's cooling off here in Philly, so can't complain too much. (laughs) (laughs) So you're the creator of Up In The Air Life. I checked out the website and you had me at Bougie Travel. So Tell me a little bit more about um, Up in the Air Life, what makes it special, what makes it different? So at Up in the Air Life, we are a group tour operator. Um, we plan amazing, exotic, exclusive vacations all around the world, from Argentina to Antarctica and Zanzibar. Um, we take our clients to places that they've never been, or maybe they've been and they want to repeat. And we plan everything about their trip from choosing the perfect hotel to working with different local vendors to provide amazing tour experiences, unique experiences in the destination. And then we always include some really cool dining um, opportunities. I love rooftops. So rooftops are often a must (laughs) um, or anywhere that has just really good food and just like is a nice place to like vibe uh, with newfounded friends. That um, so we sounds... basically create memories. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So mm-hmm. would you say, because um, you did, you have like a wide range of locations. You go like everywhere. Mm-hmm. I even saw like Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what's, what's like your most popular destination? Our most popular destination is Egypt oh, and wow. South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about sailing down the Nile and seeing history some of the mm-hmm. earliest history ever and seeing your face on the wall, you know, in Egypt, the brown faces, the noses, and just seeing stuff that was there before time, talking about pharmacy, talking about all these different things. It's just simply amazing. And I also feel like sailing down the Nile, especially when we're in Nubia, it's just such a magical place uh, mm-hmm. historically for brown people. Um, And so that's always a really um, great location. And then South Africa, I feel it's just a great introduction to Africa for a lot of people who've never been back to the motherland. Um, South Africa mirrors the U.S. a lot. Um, They speak English. Um, There's a lot of different tribes there as well. But I think it's a really great entry point for American clients because, you know, you've got the vibrant city of Johannesburg that reminds Mm -hmm. you of L.A. or Miami. And then you've got Cape Town, which to me reminds me of like California. And they've got their wine region that's similar to Mm -hmm. Sonoma and Napa. It's just gorgeous. Wow, that sounds really amazing. And you do like immersive experiences, too. It's not just you know, like riding on the tour bus and like taking pictures from from there. It's like you're really involved in like the local culture, right? Absolutely. So 
riding on a tour bus. You know, that's funny. That's how I would always experience things with a <laughs> hop on, hop, hop on, <laughs> double decker bus. Do those. Ours are more like everything is with a private guide. So mm-hmm. education is like a big part of travel that I think people sometimes forget education. And I think food and wine. Mm-hmm. So and those come with stimulating your mind, stimulating your taste buds, what you're tasting, what you're um, drinking, what you're hearing. So I focus on simulating all of your senses on a trip. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel is really makes you magical. And then also we have our little swag gifts that are surprises that often are personalized um, mm-hmm. that you also get during a trip. So yeah, we try to bring, we try to bring it all. Cool. So what goes into scouting a location? Like these are these places that maybe you've been before and you loved it and you want to take a group there or is it just, oh, let's just try something new? So the destinations are typically places that I already want to go. So I use, you know, they say, follow your nose, follow your nose, listen to your gut. I listen to my gut. I follow my nose and whatever is inspiring to me, like that's where we create the destinations. So yeah, it's whatever I'm feeling. Like I wanted to go into Antarctica and a friend of mine was saying like, oh, we should go to, you know, you should take your clients to Antarctica. And I was like, I don't know. It's so expensive. And I was surprised, like we oversold our block three times over in the first day, it seemed like. Um, So yeah, I think anywhere that's curious. I created a trip to Chile where we went to the world's largest pool. (laughs) (laughs) Not super luxurious, but it was definitely like a bucket list. Like I had Mm -hmm. to do that one thing. So it's definitely like the stuff I want to do. Like I'm going to Italy next. I've Mm -hmm. already been to Rome, but I'm revisiting Rome. My favorite thing to do is like sit by the Pantheon and eat dinner and just Mm -hmm. remember all the stories from like, you know, grade school. And then I'm going to Sicily and the Amalfi Coast, which are two new destinations. So I'm getting ready. I'm reading a lot of history. Sicily is just a really special, special and magical place because of the different ethnicities that Mm -hmm. are from the area that have held that territory. So I'm really excited to see the diversity and meet the people and do some cooking and, you know, get to it there so yeah i only know sicily from the golden girls who was from there sophia the mm-hmm. older lady <laughs> that's, that's right. all i know about yeah this is bougie travel <laughs> is it not for the broke friend because you know we all have that broke friend who kind of like likes to penny pinch on the trip or like not really do some of the more luxe kind of things so is this for more of a person who's willing to, you know, spend a little bit extra for the experience. I think absolutely. But I also think it might be for the friend that you consider broke, because I think <laughs> a lot of times for African-Americans in general, and I'm making a generic statement, which is always dangerous, but I feel like for many of us, including myself, we didn't grow up experience things that are considered luxury, right? right. I came from mm-hmm. you know, a middle-class family, I didn't experience luxurious things until I was working in my 20s and I worked, I was a, I was in sales, I worked at a software company. Mm-hmm. And so I worked with the top 2% people that were making 300 to half a million dollars plus a year. And when we went out to eat, when we took clients out to eat, we were mm-hmm. going to the best restaurants. When we would travel, we were going, staying at the nicest hotels in the US. And I learned a lot about dining, a lot about food, a lot about the hotel experience. And so when I think about planning a trip, I take those things into our trips. And so that person that you may consider broke, they may not have experienced that enough or even at all to even know if they want to spend more. There's a lot of emphasis, especially in the black travel community around budget and how much I paid and what deal I got. Mm -hmm. And while that's great, I think it's phenomenal if you want to travel, but I also think it's okay to also be luxury. It's okay to be yeah. both as long as you're doing what you love and you're having joy. So that person may enjoy it. And we have payment plans. You know, our trips typically are only two to 300 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we typically announce them a year to a year and a half out. So it provides people a really good opportunity to experience a caliber, one of the top caliber trips mm-hmm. at a small monthly payment. So it's yeah. not like you have to pay thousands of dollars. Our deposits are right on a promotion, our deposits are a dollar. And then oh, your wow. next, yes, yeah, so you can lock your spot in. Like we are trying to normalize luxury. We want mm-hmm. people to have as many opportunities as they can to leave home and come experience the world. I like that normalize luxury. Cause, and it's funny you say that because growing up, you know, I'm from South Carolina, really, really small town. And um, 
I had this one auntie who every year, like her and uh, my uncle, they would go on like a cruise. And we just thought that was like, oh my God, you get to go on this cruise. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, being from that really small town, a lot of people don't have passports. They don't really travel. Like Charlotte and Atlanta is like the extent of the world for like, for like people in my community. So, you know, growing up, we, you know, didn't really have that opportunity to go and travel and like see the world and experience different things. So I, I think that, you know, looking back on it, like even the way I am now, like I appreciate the ability to kind of just get up and go and try like a new city, mm -hmm. a new country, <laughs> get a passport stamp, you know, things like that. So it's amazing. That's wonderful. Do you know how many passport stamps that you have right now? Yes, I have. I've been to 64 countries. Oh, wow. And what, was your, hmm? what was your first um, international trip? Do you remember? Bahamas. Yes, I went to Nassau, Bahamas. Okay. <laughs> I've been there like a dozen times, I feel like now. How old were you on, on your first like trip? 18. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like a spring break situation? Right after graduation, I went with my friend and my mom and her friends. So I went, it was like four of us. Nice. <laughs> nice. I would so, never think about sharing a room with my mom and my girlfriend ever again. Ever like, again. <laughs> you know, now that I'm older, we probably wouldn't. But like when we were 18, we were like, yeah. It was like a little small apartment right mm -hmm. next to Atlanta. So it was pretty cool. I liked it. It was nice. fun. Good times. Nice. So, you know, being that we're still, we're coming out of the pandemic, situation, how did that affect the travel business up in the air life specifically? Mm -hmm. So it was extremely difficult. Um, our first trip that was canceled was in March 2020. Mm -hmm. And we canceled the trip one week prior. Had we gone on the trip, we actually would have been in a situation where um, the borders were shutting down towards the end of the trip. And so we actually would have possibly been stuck in oh, wow. Malaysia. Wow. Yeah. Um, it was awful because all of our trips, you know, we had already sold out 2020. So all of our trips were canceled and we're not going to have a trip still until October of this year. Mm -hmm. um, it was very mentally exhausting for my team and myself because you're in uncharted territory. Um, most of our contracts are non-refundable. So there really isn't an option when you're arranging a group of 15 right to 30 people to get a refund, right? Mm -hmm. So in 99% of the case, it was push the trip back a year. And for some cases, it was two years. Oh, wow. And so if you can imagine the stress from clients that just want a refund mm -hmm. and may not understand, some under they understand like how things work because the airlines, they weren't giving refunds either. And so there was a lot of pressure. Like I cried like the first 30, 25 days straight, oh. I cried. It was really depressing because I just felt like um, I got into this to really inspire people and to help them travel. And then when you get on some of those phone calls that are nasty and not nice, mm -hmm. yeah. it's just like, I first of all, like I quit a very lucrative job to do this and I make a lot less um, than what I did before. And while I actually work less, so maybe I do make about the same. <laughs> But I didn't get in this to rip people off. I've never ripped people off. And so it can be difficult because it's a situation that people are stuck in the house. Mm -hmm. A lot of people lost their job. And, you know, you have the pressure that they're looking at this money they paid as potentially money they could get back, which, you know, is not possible. Um, so it was hard. But now that we're on the other side of it, it's yeah. great because we've sold out a lot of our trips we're looking forward to 2023. We have a few trips left in 2022. And business is great. Um, awesome. I learned a lot about myself. I launched two more businesses during the pandemic. Nice. And now I'm in a great situation financially to be able to, um, we're debt-free as a company now. Um, so it literally was like I started a new mentor pro program in, in January this year. And I remember on the first call, I cried because I just felt lost. And this was in January. Mm -hmm. I felt lost. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then the next call I had with her in February, um, I remember on that call, she said, you're a travel company. You need to sell trips. Because for a while, I stopped. we stopped selling trips for a while. Mm -hmm. um, so in February, we started getting things in motion to sell the trips. And by March, we 
had one of our largest months ever. Oh, wow. And we've already had our best year ever at this point. And so it's very, very promising. It's exciting for my team. Um, and so, yeah, it's a journey. It's, it was very difficult. I mean, a lot of businesses are gone. Mm-hmm. And even now in the travel space, there's a lot of mom and pop shops that won't be here next year because they're still close. And, you know, you battle people who are saying you shouldn't travel with people saying you should. And I just remind people like, you know, I work in the travel industry. I do mm-hmm. believe that you can travel safely now. So I think you should travel safely. Mm-hmm. Um, but people also need to understand if everyone chooses not to travel, that a lot of these places won't be here anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, or they may be here, but they'll be different possibly. Mm-hmm. Like even in Mexico where I live, a lot of the local vendors and local shops are gone. It's very sad. Yeah. So there's new places that pop up, but it's sad that all these people have lost their businesses. Yeah. We just got back from Aruba um, a couple of weeks ago and we've been there a few times. So you kind of, once you go like multiple times, you kind of know the places to, like to mm-hmm. eat and like, and we went, um, this time and it was just sad to see like some of the places that you know you'd pass by in previous times they're just shut down or boarded up and just looking like they're never going to come back so yeah so yeah definitely understand that in thinking about up in the air life and like the the groups that you arrange would you say your trips are more for like a kind of a novice traveler who is maybe a bit hesitant to like go on if they're like a first international trip or they don't travel extensively and, you know, is, or is it for like the experienced traveler who they've been everywhere, they want to go somewhere and just not have to plan it? I would say that our clients are both. Mm -hmm. I think if anything, the one thing our clients have in common is they don't want to plan it. So whether (laughs) they're a novice or if they're a detailed person, Mm -hmm. who wants to spend 20 to 40 hours Googling and reading articles I know a lot of people feel like I could just go somewhere and it's this much, it's that much. Trust me, you go online, you Google, you're going to get whatever you get. Like maybe you'll get lucky, but we all know when we plan stuff on our own and we've never been there, it's a crapshoot. And so for people that want to go somewhere and they want to just have confidence in your, you know, you only get two weeks vacation for most Americans, three, Mm -hmm. four, five, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, yeah. Right. And so if you want to go with a company that is fully vetted, that's going to send an American host and you're going to travel as a black person with people who look like you, these are very important things that is very important for a lot of people. And so that's what we're providing is we vetted these places. We have partnerships. We're, you know, making sure you have a good time. And then, by the way, you're meeting dope people. Mm-hmm. That's one thing our clients say, like they meet people on the trip and they're like friends with them. They're always talking about the next trip they're going on. They go on trips without us. So friendships is definitely a big part of traveling with Up in Your Life. Mm-hmm. And when you're traveling while Black in some of these destinations, um, do you provide more of like a kind of a cultural experience specifically for like the Black people in that area or in that region? Or do you connect with minorities from like the specific areas you go to? So we're definitely Blackity Black, meaning <laughs> <laughs> when we travel... When I wear our transportation, we're probably playing Marvin Gaye, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson. Um, and for some clients, they want to hear Two Life Crew, maybe, you know, whatever. But we're playing Black people music. Mm-hmm. We are focusing most of our itineraries on Afrocentric things. Nice. Yeah. We do make it a point to make sure we have Black partners, Black tour guides as much as possible. We really want to work with Brown, Black, and Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we're very sensitive about and we very much make it a priority to do that. Um, So, yeah, so our itineraries definitely always are going to like even Antarctica. The first person to set foot on Antarctica was black. It Mm -hmm. was the black man who was like working with the gentleman who was going there. He was the first person to actually set foot. So there's actually a book about it that as a surprise, I hope my clients (laughs) are listening to me. They're going to Antarctica. But that's one of the books that we'll send about the trip. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so if you're going on our Egypt trip, we I love educational books. We'll send them a book about Nubia, which is like an amazing story about the brown people, uh, the Nubian people in the, mm-hmm. you know, the Egyptian people that were in the in that area down the Nile. So we really like to focus on those African centric people. So we feel mm-hmm. closer ties to our roots. 
Nice. And have you ever heard of misery tourism? Misery tourism? Yeah. So this was a fun, like, you know how social media gets something. Uh, it's like the influencers who would go to like an impoverished area of like, they would go to the favelas in Brazil and Rio and oh. like, pictures of like that and just. I call that people. poverty porn. I think mm -hmm. that's what people refer to it too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an advocate of that. Um, you know, I always say to people, so I don't believe in going to an area that is in poverty to simply look. Right. I think that for me, if we go to an area and when we go to areas that are in poverty, there needs to be a plan. Like there mm -hmm. needs to be a partnership or a plan. Like in South Africa, there is an opportunity to work with one of the community centers that um, has daycare for children. So clients mm -hmm. can work with us and we can organize them to go visit and actually bring a donation of local yeah. supplies or mm -hmm. make a donation. When we're working um, in the different safari camps, a lot of the safari camps with Sanctuary that we work with have their own schools. Mm -hmm. And you can go to the school, visit with the Maasai children. We like to actually print out photos of the clients so they can give them to the children because they don't get a lot of black visitors. So to see black nurses, mm -hmm. black professionals, mm -hmm. It's they I mean, their eyes just light up and you leave them pictures of this person in Madrid or in Italy or in the United States like they get to you get to set these visual clues of possibilities of life for them. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think having a plan, not just going and taking mm -hmm. pictures of for the grant. Yeah. 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 That's awesome that y'all do that. Uh, so do you go on every trip? I don't anymore, actually. Um, I don't go on every trip. Uh, and I don't say which ones I'm going on <laughs> either. So we have a full tour leader team. I have a tour uh -huh. leader certification process that we follow to get our team. Um, what I look for is people that are very, I always joke that I look for non-threatening people. And someone's like, what does that mean? I look for yeah. people that can manage a group, can be hospitable, but also mm -hmm. can float in the background. Because the trip is not right. about us, it's about the client. Right. So making mm -hmm. sure they have what they need, making sure they're a part of the group, but not overshadowing the group. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, yeah. So personally, how do you prepare for a trip? Do you do all the research? Like if you're going somewhere, like not a part of the group, you just. Oh, well, so like Italy, I'm going to Italy next week. Honestly, when I go on vacation, I'm not like a huge planner. Um, I usually defer to the person I'm with because if I'm on mm -hmm. vacation, I'm literally just hanging out. I want to make sure I stay at somewhere nice. But I usually will let my friends kind of dictate um, what we're doing. I love cooking mm -hmm. classes, so I'm almost always going to do a cooking class. I'm almost always going to do some type of historical tour. I want to make sure there's a guide. I don't just walk around aimlessly. I want to know, like, why is that church there? Like. Mm -hmm. What happened? Why was this church burnt? I could tell on the side of the building. Like, I want to know those things. Um, the other thing I do is I go on Instagram. So months before I'm going, I follow the hashtags of the destination. Mm -hmm, of the, yeah, because yeah. I'm a very visual person. So I like to look visually, like, what are the cool places I want to see? Um, and then now I'm actually more mature in my styling. So I actually have a stylist that... Um, helps me get styled for the trip. So I'm super excited. My box arrives tomorrow and I'll be able to like do a little fitting with her this weekend of all my stuff with some champagne. So yeah, I'm definitely like styling myself to make sure I can get some cool Instagrammable shots. Nice. <laughs> so do you prefer a trip or a vacation? What's the difference? So I think a trip is like, I'm going to like a city and like, I want to take in like the history and like the, you know, the sites and like all the, all the cultural stuff. And I think a vacation is like, I'm just on the beach with my drink. I'm chilling by the pool. I'm not doing anything. Well, all my trips contain both. Okay. So whether it's a trip we host or not, there's always mm -hmm. free time and there's always chill time. So like, for instance, we're not leaving at 9am. No, we're staying at a nice hotel. So we're going to mm -hmm. enjoy the bubbly at breakfast. We're going to have the beautiful croissants that were made from scratch and the French toast and the egg <laughs> made to order. And then we'll leave at like nine o'clock. So I definitely and then I have my days that I'm lounging. So I'm going to be in Sicily 
And I think three of the days I'm at this like beachy area, I have mm-hmm. nothing planned. So I am beyond excited. <laughs> um, I'm beyond excited, like not to really do anything. So I'm actually planning on maybe reaching out to the chef at the hotel to see if he can do like a chef's table or a special pairing with for me, like a mm-hmm. wine and some of his favorite food. So I'll just definitely be doing like hanging out at the pool with my friend and just enjoying our time together. That sounds that sounds amazing. Uh, so now we are just going to play a quick little game that mm-hmm. I call the category is quickie. It's just a series of rapid fire questions. And you just say whatever comes to your mind first. Okay. Thing. Okay. So the first question is, do you prefer the Seychelles or the Maldives? Never been to either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to choose, I would say, which one I want to go to first, Maldives. Mm-hmm. Okay. And next one is Dubai or Doha? Definitely Doha. Okay. They got the World Cup coming next year. I know. <laughs> so describe your ideal travel companion in three words. Easygoing, fluid, mm-hmm. and fun. Okay. I like that. Um, one location you'll never get tired of visiting. Probably where I live in Mexico. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I never get tired of this area. It's just between Cancun. Playa del Carmen and uh, Tulum. It's mm-hmm. just so much to do. It just never gets old. Did Tulum get like real? It was real busy over the summer, over like the past yeah, everything's, Yeah, everything's busy right now. It's yeah. pretty great. U.S. tourists come back. I stayed in this amazing resort um, that was kind of close to Tulum. It's like between, it's like Riviera Maya. So it's between Cancun and Tulum. It's called mm-hmm. Unico, Unico 2087. Oh, I heard it was good. How did you like it? The food was amazing. Every meal was like a five-star restaurant. The drinks were like ridiculously good. The service mm-hmm. was amazing. Like it was, everything was about that was crazy good. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Check it out if you get a chance. And uh, <laughs> the last question is, would you travel into space with Jeff Bezos? Absolutely. <laughs> to rub elbows with Jeff Bezos and hang out with him? Yeah. Absolutely, I would. Yeah, I don't know. If it was, I don't know because it's only like eleven minutes. They were up, they went up and they came right back down. Oh well, I would still go. Yeah, I would do it. Bucket list. Um, so yeah, that about wraps it up for today. Um, you want to tell the people where to find you? Absolutely, you can find my company at upintheairlife.com. You can find me on Instagram at Claire B Soars. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll be sure to put all that information down in the show notes so everyone can find you and hopefully book a trip with you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. That was so much fun. I really enjoyed speaking with Claire about up in the the air life, about luxury travel, because, you know, I love me a, 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 a bougie trip. And, you know, just being able to go to destinations that you never thought possible to learn things that, you know, you didn't um, expect to find out. Experiences are always amazing. I love a passport stamp. And it seems like Claire is really connecting people to experiences that they, you know, may not have been able to get to on their own. So I love the, like the local culture, um, educational experience, and, you know, really connecting to, to the location. Um, where you travel. So that is amazing. Be sure to check out all her information down in the show notes. Her website is amazing and you can um, sign up for a trip. So now it's time for a quick, I said what I said. A few days ago, some artist named Dababai, Dababi, Dab, Dab, I don't know, some rapper, um, made some really homophobic comments on stage, um, he was alluding to making references to um, HIV and AIDS and just spewing misinformation um, left and right. He gave somewhat of an apology, uh, which, um, yeah, he could have kept that. And then he was, he did like an apology video, or he had like some kind of video come out 
and that just made things worse. He was um, supposed to be one of the headliners at the Lollapalooza Festival in Chicago. And I don't know if y'all saw them pictures, but it was way too many people in there. And the way um, this Delta variant is going, yeah, um, get ready for a spike. And so, um, yeah, like the question was, why was he still like on the, on the roster? Like even after all of this happened, because you know how cancel culture is. Like you say something today and in like 20 minutes, they're putting out statements saying just, you know, dissociating themselves from you. But literally hours before he was supposed to go on stage, Lollapalooza uh, dropped him from the lineup and replaced him with another mediocre rapper. And, you know, it, people are like, well, why did they wait so long? And what, you know, what happened? And so apparently the story is that he was allegedly supposed to um, give Lollapalooza like a video apology that they were going to like post on the screen, you know, before he came out on stage. It was supposed to be like this lengthy thing that um, some publicists wrote up and, you know, made him read, which I didn't think he could really read that well. So maybe it's, it's best that they didn't do that. But, um, Apparently, he missed the deadline <laughs> to turn it in, which, girl, you got to turn in your homework on time. And <laughs> he got dropped. So they were like, you know, we needed it by five o'clock. So you're done. But I mean, the backlash has been, you know, brutal as it can be and it sh- as it should be. But at the same time, you're like, girl, what are we expecting from these rappers? You know, I don't know what Dababai sings um, or raps or whatever, but he don't look like the most intelligent person to me. And given the fact that, you know, the rap industry is such a misogynistic, um, hyper-masculine situation, I mean, I'm not surprised that these comments came from him because then you had like other um, established rappers coming out and defending him and the comments that he made and like, but again, not surprising. But what also shocked the world was that for whatever reason, Matt Damon, because he has a movie coming out, I forget the name of the movie, but um, he did an interview and said that he only just recently stopped using the F word, which is the slur for um gay man and he said he only stopped using that term recently like a few months ago because his daughter educated him about that now matt damon you you could have kept that to yourself Uh, i don't know the reasoning for you know him kind of bringing that up and then because you know what no one asked him for that yeah nobody asked you for that and then you know to have to say you you only used it in jokes and to say oh i didn't call someone that i just joke about it or make jokes about it (laughs) that doesn't make it any better you're supposed to be smarter than that i mean goodwill hunting come on like girl what were you thinking and you know i don't see or haven't seen yet where the backlash has been as swift or as harsh as it was for Dababai, but I mean, it should come. And yeah, I mean, the half-hearted apology that, oh, well, you know, I just, well, made jokes. Nah, girl, you don't get off that easily. So prepare for the backlash. You about to get canceled. So tens, tens, tens across the board. This week, my tens are going to um, Simone Biles, like I said, for making all them little girls' dreams come true, um, giving them some medals that they did not deserve, but also bringing light to mental health. Um, again, you know, it's been, you know, big in the sports world, um, but also in the black, black world and black culture, because we don't really talk about um, mental health that much. And, you know, being an athlete, Naomi Osaka withdrew from the tennis competition um, earlier, citing her men- mental health. Um, now this with Simone. Um, 
Meghan Markle also talking about mental health in the Black community. Other 10s are going to Tamira Mensah-Stock. She was the first Black woman to win a gold medal for wrestling, which I ain't know we wrestle, but WWE on Thursday night. But she got up there. She won the gold medal. Um, but then she was up this morning. She had on her, uh, she got her hair did, um, had on some nice glasses. So Tim, you girl, got you a glam squad up there. Uh, the next tens is a thing mo. She is from, well, she's Sudanese descent, but she um, is American. And she's the first gold medal winner of the women's 800 meters since 19, I think they said 58 or 68. I can't remember, but she did that thing last night. And she has this chocolatey, chocolatey skin. So go off, sis, um, for doing that. And then, yeah, for all the other um, athletes, especially the LGBT athletes, they are, you know, out there winning gold. And I read an article that said if LGBTQ was a country, then the athletes would be like, would rank like number eighth in the total medal count and like seventh in the gold medal count. So yeah, tense, tense for y'all doing, doing the thing. That's about it for this week. That wraps it up. Shout out to, we have a lot of birthdays this week. Um, my mom's birthday was on Tuesday. And I think I said before that two of my um, best friends, their moms are also the same day, August 3rd. Um, August 4th, we have Barack Hussein Obama, first black president, his 60th birthday. And then also on August 4th, my person of the year for the past, what, three years? <laughs> Since 2018, 2019, and 2020. Princess Henry of the United Kingdom, also known as Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex, is celebrating her 40th birthday. You know, what a coincidence that she has the same birthday as Barack Obama, um, just 20 years apart. So, yeah, um, that's about it for this week. I'm going to wrap it up. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay the fuck inside so you don't get that Delta variant. Holla at y'all later. Bye. Thanks for joining me for another week. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please be sure to like, rate, and review the show wherever you're listening to Category Is right now. Category Is podcast is recorded in Philadelphia. The show is hosted, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Maurice Smith.